Welcome to Chasing Three Hours, a podcast about what runners are chasing, why they keep pushing themselves, and what keeps them curious. I'm Josh Peterson. Today's podcast is brought to you by Peak Performance. If you're in the Omaha metro area, be sure to stop by one of their four locations and mention this podcast, Chasing Three Hours, for $15 off of your first pair of shoes at regular price. Today's interview is with Pete Kostelnik, among many things, the world record holder for running across the United States. We talk about that weeks-long undertaking, the challenge that it brought, being a healthy versus an unhealthy runner, and why he is unable to get out onto the trails at this moment in time. Enjoy today's interview with Pete Kostelnik. Pete Kostelnik, welcome to Chasing Three Hours. Thanks for having me, Josh. Appreciate you taking the time. Uh, so I begin every podcast by asking my guest about their most recent run, but given what's happened in your life, I want to ask it in a different way. Uh, what do you remember about the run that you did on Friday, August the 18th, uh, when you went out for 15 and a half miles? And I guess, how has that run sat in your mind over the last few months? Oh, man, it's it's unreal because, yeah, I've never... It's been like, my I mean, half my life since I've gone, you know, three, almost three months without running. Um and it was funny where, where I ran. I remember where I ran that day in Colorado. Um, and I'm sure we'll get into it. But uh, I there was like this uphill. And then I came back down this hill. And like, I don't train a lot very fast. Like I do a lot of like eight, nine minute pace junk workouts. But for whatever reason, I, I like, I kind of took off down the hill. I don't know. It was maybe like a 530 mile, you know, downhill. That's not that hard. But it was just funny because I finished right where... I ended up getting in a, a car accident uh, <laughs> uh, later that day. Uh, so it's just kind of funny how it's like, yeah, it was a great run. And then like, you know, 12, 12 hours later, you know, hell breaks loose. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I, I still remember somebody, either it was one of my friends or my dad reached out to me like, hey, did you see what Pete said on on Instagram? And sure enough, I go over there. You got, you, as you said, you got in a car accident that day, later that day. Um, the emotions now that you have as you look back on it, because it changed so many of the plans that you had had for the rest of 2023. How has that sat with you over the last two and a half months? Yeah, you know, it's it's tough because, uh, you know, right when the car accident happened, so I was in the backseat, you know, of of my friend's car and we got rear-ended pretty hard. I won't go into (laughs) much more than that. But, um, you know, I, you know, I had plans to go do well i was gonna pace my friend uh tyler at uh leadville that weekend so i wear my leadville hoodie today uh but uh after that was you know i wanted to go do uh spartathlon in greece and some other races and so i I just remember like you know when i went to the emergency room and we still didn't know you know what the the scan and the x-rays looked like i just knew i was in a lot of pain i I remember texting the my friend Lori, who was gonna uh crew crew me at spartathlon like hey Lori, like i know you did bad water on a broken foot might be a similar situation here. You know, maybe I'll go do it on zero training for the next, you know, month and a half. And then, (laughs) and then it kind of just went from there. And then it's like, Oh, all of a sudden I'm on a helicopter to Colorado Springs. And then it's like, okay, well let's cancel the plans for the rest of the year. And then like after surgery a day later, it was like, Oh, maybe I can like come back in February and do, you know, my first race, like a marathon or something. But now it's, it's settled in a little bit more where it's like, okay, let's, you know, it's more about the process of coming back now at this point than um, really too many goals. Although I do have a lot of stuff on my mind, but uh, yeah, so it's it's it was kind of like a step 
step down process, but it, it went pretty quick. <laughs> what, what's that? What is that recovery looking like for you now? As as you know, we get towards the end of twenty twenty three. Yeah, so I was you know I was fully immobile for oh gosh, I think yeah, like exactly two months. Um, that was the so I was just in a chair. I you know I gotta thank you know my girlfriend Lindsay so much for taking care of me uh <laughs> for those two months um while she you know she has a couple of kids to take care of as well and so um no it it uh it was yeah just full immobility uh sitting basically inside all day uh you know I had the bed right next to the chair so it's like it was an easy transition with my arms from one to the other um but then you know we're now I'm at about oh getting closer to three months since the accident. So at the, you know, right at the two month mark, I was able to stand up, um, and just do some very limited walking. Um, now I'm, I'm much more mobile. Uh, it's, it's still, uh, my left side is very weak. Like it's, if my, if my left side was like my right side, I could probably walk pretty normal, but it's still a pretty hard, uh, to walk without like a limp. <laughs> so, um, but I can still, I, I'm starting to try it like, you know, doing about, a mile a day of walking, which feels like, you know, what was 30 miles of training, uh, on some days before, uh, I just, I just feel, you know, exhausted from pretty basic stuff. But at the same time, it's like, you know, I feel like just over the last couple of weeks from going from not just barely being able to stand to now walking a mile, it's like, wow, like this is, this is actually the most progress I've made probably percentage wise in my, you know, since I was a kid. So it's like trying to think of it that way and just, you know, keep progressing. Um, and you know, who knows, maybe, you know, by the end of the year or, you know, I, you know, I have like this countdown to the end of the year, uh, on Strava where I just log my walks every day. So I'm hoping that maybe by the new year, I can maybe just do a little bit of jogging, but, um, but you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, you, you've done so much running, and, and I do want to get to that in just a moment, but I guess kind of one more question about just like the, the here and now of it all. You have had a lot of time, obviously, to sit in your thoughts. Um, you have had a, you've had probably, a, you've probably been thinking back on a lot. I, I imagine you're missing it terribly. When, when you have been thinking about running over the last two and a half months, I guess, how, how has that, how have you viewed it, given that you haven't been able to do so, you know, since that, that run on August 18th? Yeah, uh, it's... It has been really good for me because I think, you know, no, no one wants to get in a car accident, but um, I think it's really helped me um, actually like step back more because like, uh, actually last night, you know, um, less than like 12 hours ago, uh, Jenny Hoffman finished her run uh, across the USA in New York City. And she, you know, broke, you know, my other good friend, Sandra Villain's very stout record for running across America in the fastest amount, uh, fastest time. So um, like that's been, you know, I've been able to follow her, you know, doing that. And she, you know, followed pretty much the same route, exact route from San Francisco to New York that, um, Sandra and I did. So, uh, you know, I got to, you know, just follow along that the last month and a half. So that's been a very reflective for me, just being able to do that. Um, but also it's just, you know, I think like when I ran across the U S gosh, seven years ago, um, I, I took off maybe yeah, like I keep telling I keep telling myself that I took like a lot of time off running, but when I actually go back on Strava, I think I only took like a week or two off from running. <laughs> <laughs> um and then it, it just kind of blows my mind to think that like I don't know, like a year and a half, like 
less than two years after that, I ran from Alaska to Florida, started a run from Alaska to Florida and did that. And it's like, gosh, like I squeezed those two things in and I felt like, you know, 2017, I was like disappointed with in run in my running. And then, you know, 2018, I had to do this Alaska to Florida cool down just to mentally regroup. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so like now it's just like, I think, um, this is like finally, I'm like actually being forced to like step away from running for a while. So I think it's mentally, it's been really good for me physically. It's going to be <laughs> something <laughs> else, but, um, but I think, you know, I always tell people ultra running is like 95% mental. So, you know, it could be good for me. So I, I think it's, it's been good and, you know, fresh, obviously frustrating to not, you know, just, I think more frustrating, not in the sense of like missing out on things right now, because I can still go do them when I come back, but it's just, just kind of the mental, not being able to get out there and run uh part is j- just the only frustrating part for me. Like just, you know, being inside so much over these last few months. <laughs> what do you miss most about it right now? I think it's just the, well, I think on the day to day, it's really honestly just the structure. Like, just like I, you know, I feel, you know, I work, you know, a regular desk job, but I feel like I have way too much time <laughs> on my hands. Cause I'm like, I'm so used to being like, okay, I gotta go to bed at eight. So I can wake up at three 30 and I can go get, you know, 16 miles in and then I can like get straight to work. And then that, it's like, it's amazing. Like I don't get, a single more thing done or a single less thing done than I did before. But I was running, you know, running three, four hours a day, as opposed to now I'm just, you know, cutting out those three, four hours, but I'm just kind of like, I don't know, just like zoning out on my phone here and there. And like, but, uh, you know, getting outside is, is, has been, you know, at least for a little bit each day is helping. But, um, I think that's like the thing. It's just, just the structure it, it gives to the week, uh, really, really, you know, helps. Yeah, 100%. Uh, let's go back now. So I, I read that that you like entered a bucket list phase of your life towards the end of college um, and, and the, like that running was involved or that running in a marathon was involved. Like, I guess my first question was like, with the benefit of hindsight, don't you think you were like way too young to be entering into the bucket list phase <laughs> of your life? And, and secondly, like, what exactly did that entail? Because if I if I remember right, the marathon was kind of like the end of whatever was on this list. Yeah, you know, it, it was just, I think it was like when I, I did an internship in Washington, D.C. And um, like, and then like going back to like the whole needing to be busy thing. Uh, when I was doing that internship, you know, I was doing like a regular 40 hour a week job, you know, not a, not a minute more than 40 hours. And so, you know, in college, I don't know, like, it's just like, maybe like I, I do this to myself just to like, because I always, I like to be miserable, but like I would work. <laughs> you know, 25 hours a week, take 20, be like twice a year, but not, <laughs> not very often. So then when I was in DC, I just, you know, I, I think I got a little less, I think it's just that I had all this time on my hands and I felt like, okay, let's, let's do something like, I don't know, like running had always been on my to-do list, but it had just fallen way down on the priority list during college. And so I think like towards the end of college, I just like thought, okay, let's like, I had a few friends that were doing marathons earlier in college and I thought, okay, well, let's just knock, you know, these things out, a 10 K a half marathon, you know, the day after you turn 21 and then a marathon, you know, a month later and just see, you know, is it, is it possible? And so, um, it was kind of like just, you know, with kind of like a mini ultra marathoning, like, 
you know, when I got into ultras, it was like, okay, let's do a 50 miler and let's see if we can do a hundred miler and let's see if we can do a six day race. And like, I think it's just that, that step up. It's just, it's so intriguing to me. Uh, when there's always like another mountain, once you get to the top of one mountain and there's another higher one and there's another higher one. So, um, I think that's probably what I've struggled with is, uh, over the last few years is, you know, I've done some really long races and it's like, well, what do I, do I just try to get better at them or do I go on to do like something even more stupid, crazy, (laughs) you know, (laughs) but I'm also not, and t- totally crazy where like I would do anything like my friend Russell who just ran around the world for the last four years. Like I'm not going <laughs> to do anything like that. I'd still need to like have that structure of a day-to-day job, but I also need to like, <laughs> like get out there and do something longer. So I think, yeah, it's like, I've always had these like weird, like bucket lists where I just kind of keep getting more extreme with, you know, running, but um, yeah, running was really that outlet for me. It wasn't really anything in the, you know, anything in any other aspects of, of life where I just had these bucket lists that I just kept dreaming up. Where, where do you think that mindset for you comes from? Is it, is it something with your family that you just like keep pushing and pushing? Like, was this something that you had in you when you're, you know, growing up when you're a teenager? Yeah. I, yeah. I think I honestly, I think it's it, a lot of it comes from my parents because like whenever I go visit them, they are never, they're almost like never just hanging out. They're, they're always, they're always doing something, especially my, my, my dad, he, uh, you know, for better or worse, he is always busy doing something. Uh, he doesn't really, he, he finds enjoyment in doing a lot of hard things. And so, um, I think that's where I probably came from. It was just like, I kind of grew up, you know, being kind of taught that, you know, just do it, keeping yourself busy all day is like, you know, the way to do it. And then, you know, you might have just like 10 minutes at the end of the day where you're like relaxing, but it's like the best type of relaxing there is. And and then how much I guess did the the natural talent that you had I have to imagine that that played a big part in just continuing to go after bigger and bigger goals because I know you ran the the Chicago Marathon early in this journey you got a BQ time so there was like obviously some talent that you had in there that had to help along in the process. Yeah, I think it helped a, you know, a little bit. You know, I but then again, like I was already pretty crazy when I started doing it. like I didn't realize that when I like did my first marathon I was actually training like just about. I was probably doing, you know, 50 miles a week, which today to me right now isn't terribly high. But like back then I was probably actually training more (laughs) than a lot of people. So I don't know. Like, yeah, I, I'd say I'm a pretty average, you know, as far as like, it goes to like natural talent with running. But, um, I think it's just, I, I have, you know, an ability to recover really well. And so like, that's the why that's the reason I was able to get a, get away with just jumping in head first on you know 40 50 mile weeks without really ramping up my you know mileage over time um and yeah I just I think just the ability to heal has probably been like my I I, I found that pretty early on like that I was able to like come back pretty quick after doing some you know some of the marathons I was doing early on speaking of your family what did they think as you started like really throwing yourself into doing all this stuff ahead, you know, later on you would, you would run across the country. You do all these things. What did they think though, in these early days of like, wow, he's really, he's really getting into this stuff. <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know, I, I think they didn't really know what to think, uh, <laughs> <laughs> to be honest. Um, because I remember when I, I, I remember telling my dad one time, like, Oh, I want to qualify for Boston. He's like, you really think you can do that? And then it just <laughs> <laughs> it 
funny. Like, so now like they're never really surprised by, I think there was like a tipping point where like I ran across Iowa, uh, during rag, like rag by the, the big bike right across Iowa. I did that, you know, what another guy, Richard Cresser, actually him and I both did it that year. Like the first ones to ever actually run it instead of bike it. And it was about, you know, 60, 65 miles a day. And I think that was like the tipping point where they're like, okay, this guy, like he, he kind of knows what he's doing with some of this stuff. And like, we'll just, we're not going to like hold him back. Cause I, I remember also when I did one, like the Boston marathon, you know, talking on the phone with my parents were like, well, you only have so many heart. <laughs> so it's, it's definitely been like now if I go do Boston, like they're not, you know, concerned at all about any of that. But um, yeah, it's, it's been a process, but I think there was like a tipping point there about 10 years ago. Did you find yourself like, did you enjoy the process? Did you enjoy like the challenge, the the end game? Like, what was it about? Do you think that running those long distances early on that really like stuck in your stuck in you and that, that made you want to keep going back for more? I think it's just you know the the feeling of like you just have so much within your control with running. Like you can you know I think anyone can really be a pretty good runner if they really want to. And it's so simple. Like, it's just, it just takes dedication. Um, dedication and not getting, you know, ahead of yourself, you know, as far as injury goes. But um, I think that's what it all ultimately was for me. It was just, just, it felt so rewarding to see progress every day. And so, um, like right now, like seeing progress every day, just with like doing certain like leg exercises and just walking and like thinking, okay, well, two, two days ago, this was like, so much harder than it is today. Um, just that reward, uh, you know, each day of, of seeing just a little bit of progress that, you know, you're, you're making along those lines. So you first ran bad water back in 2014. Um, the race didn't go as well as you hoped you finished 14th. And then you, you, you once said, what do you do when you finish a race and you're not happy about it? You work harder, you go back the next year. Um, so it's obviously, it's one thing to want to run ultras. Um, what separates you, I think from a lot of people is obviously like that you want to compete in them and you want to get better. What did that hard work look like for you after what for a lot of people would have been a great time and a great finish where you're saying, okay, I have to do, I have to do better. I want to do better. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's, I think a lot of it's just experience, but like, I think what I had really going for me is like, and I was just kind of, it just kind of popped in my head when I was, you know, I know that you had had my friend, John Keeler on, uh, this podcast. Uh, so it was just, I think it was like, I kind of had this environment at that time. And it was like, I was, it was like the perfect time where I was like really getting excited about doing ultras. Like I just done bad water for the first time. I was like really starting to get, you know, maybe into like a 24 hour race where I, you know, it's something beyond the hundred miler. And I had people like, you know, John, and then I had my friend Kyle in Nebraska. Like it just, it it was like this really like not a competition, but it was just like, a little bit more accountability than I had been used to. Um, like when I lived in Kansas city, I was really kind of just like a lone wolf that just kind of came across like the Kansas city trail nerds and like doing 50 Ks and brew to brew from Kansas city to Lawrence and things like that. But then when I, like, I felt like when I was in, you know, I did bad work for the first time, like just ha- being surrounded by at least a few people that had similar interests that I did really kind of made me feel like, okay, well I got to like, go out. Like if I skip this run, Kyle's probably out running. I better <laughs> go get it done and things like that. So I think that was kind of the, like, kind of like a real big turning point as far as like going from, um, you know, like a, not a casual runner, but just like 
someone who does ultras to someone who does you know ultras to win them. And um, I also think like I also when gosh like I think when I was in Nebraska, like I, Kyle and I had like tried to get on this like L- Lincoln Running Club team, and like we had like the B standard, and like they said, oh, we don't want you guys, like. <laughs> not to sound like petty, but like, I think that was also like another thing that's like, well, shoot, I'm going to show them and then like, just go off and like do, do other things. So, um, I don't know. Like it's, it's just weird what motivate, like the types of motivation, like some of it's like fun and good, like with some of your friends and some of it's like getting turned down from something. And, um, I think, uh, yeah, like that's kind of how it all kind of started. So the competitive nature that, that you obviously have, how much of that was competing against yourself and how much of it was competing against your friends and then how much of it was competing against people that you didn't even know? Yeah, I think um, I think a lot of it, it is myself. Like I, I give myself a hard time <laughs> a lot. Uh, and even now, like just kind of reflecting more, like just all the times that like, I was like, oh, I'm just so like upset at myself if I have like a bad race. Um, so I, I think it ultimately does come down to like this competition with myself and like always trying to like beat you know a, my prior self <laughs> uh from like a prior year if i'm doing like the same race or like always needing to like raise my own bar uh personally so i think that's really where where it comes from the most you so you won badwater uh the next two years in 15 and 16 you know, in hindsight now, what, 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 when you think back on those moments or those races, what, is there something in particular that comes to mind? Yeah. Um, you know, it's kind of weird because like the, in 2015, when I placed first, it was like this big surprise to me. I had like this long-term goal of like, okay, I want to place in the first year to top 10 and then maybe the next year five and then three and then one, you know, maybe six years from now. And so like, just like, I don't think I gave myself enough credit and then, you know, going in and then like all of a sudden I found myself like right behind first place. And then I realized that he was, uh, walking and I was actually kind of disappointed because now like, I felt like there was all this pressure on me to like pass him and like get it done. And so that was a much more like exciting experience, uh, finishing and then, you know, placing first the next year when I, um, set the course record at the time in 2016, it was much more calm. And like, I actually, I didn't really celebrate that much afterwards. It was kind of strange uh, how that one kind of played out. I think the the thing there was, you know, after setting the course record, I had, um, I'd already planned to run across the US like two months later. So I think I was just kind of like, okay, we got this done. Now let's kind of like start focusing on the next thing. Whereas, you know, the first time around, it was like just this big, excitement like there's nothing left to do type of mentality yeah kind of so along those lines so i i you know the name of the pod chasing three hours that was you know because i wanted to break three hours in the marathon and i thought that like you that okay this is a longer term goal i'm going to kind of hold myself accountable with it and as 2022 went on i realized like this might be in the cards for me and i was able to do it last year in chicago and and i know leaving that moment for me it was a lot of okay so what, what next now? What, what should I be chasing now? Um, and now it's just kind of like, I don't know, figure out how far I can go with this and, and keep going and going. What did, that, what did that do for you then in 15 when you win it? And you <laughs> at the time, you're like, this is a long-term process that will take years to get to. Do you think that that was like a fork in the road that 
maybe led to running across the country the next year or led to just doing different types of things because you had already reached the the thing that you had maybe pushed off or that you were thinking was going to be down the road? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, because, like, you know, like win, winning the race again the next year, you know, it was exciting, but it wasn't, it was like something I guess I'd already kind of done. So then like the day after I finished in 2015, um, I remember talking to my friend Dylan, like, I'm definitely going to run across the U.S. in the next like two years. And it was like running across the U.S. was like more of I never really pictured myself going for the record. I really just kind of pictured myself maybe doing it like when I'm like 50 or 60 or like semi-retired or something. And like, you know, after reading Marshall Ulrich's book about, you know, when he ran across in 2008, like it wasn't never really registered with me to go for the record. So, um yeah, it was, it was definitely like, oh, wow, like all these things that maybe I wanted to do over 10 years, I could do like in the next two years instead. <laughs> when, when did then the, when did the idea of the record come into the picture for you instead of just doing it to do it? When did that become something that you wanted to do? Yeah, really. In, in 2015, um, after finishing Badwater, it was like, okay, what do I got to do to like plan this out? And like, you know, obviously it, to do something, it takes, you know, a month and a half, you got to, you know, plan it out with work and things like that. And, you know, I had a very, or I still, the same company, I actually still work for them. They, you know, were willing to let me take, you know, a month and a half leave to do it. And so, um, just all these unexpected things kind of like lined up in a row, like, Oh wow. Like I don't have to quit my job to go do this. <laughs> like, like, so then it's just like, there was like no excuse not to do it all of a sudden by the end of 2015 that it kind of just all came into place. Uh, like, you know, a lot quicker than I now, now looking back on it and like, you know, we can talk about it in a little bit, but it's like, I've had these other, like, you know, transcontinental type ideas and it's like, gosh, I was going to do this in 2019 and now it's 2020, almost 2024, uh, type of thing. So yeah, it was really like, sometimes you just, you know, that's why I always tell people, like, if you think you can do something, do it sooner than later. Like, cause you know, there's always going to be something like COVID or, car accidents or you know other personal things that come up that you know kind of block you from doing it. You so you log you logged more than 200 miles in a week three times leading up to that between Badwater right and and actually doing it. You had a full-time job. I read that you described it as putting your body through hell in the months leading up to the run. Was there any moment in that in that process where you're like what the hell am I doing or was it just you know this is the the crap that I got to deal with in this in this process? No. Yeah. I mean, I, I was in the zone. I, I, <laughs> it, it was just funny. Like everything was working. Like there are, there are just those years where you just feel like everything is clicking and like nothing can stop you. Um, I think like, it, it is funny though, because like going, I remember, uh, in 2016, I, I was like really, really anemic, uh, early in the year. And like, going into Badwater, I remember texting Chuck, uh, who was going to crew me at Badwater and then also across the USA. I told him like, I said, no, dude, I really just want to finish the race. Cause like, I really was like nervous about it. But then like after finishing that race, uh, in Badwater, it was like, wow, like I actually am, you know, in pretty good shape. Cause I hadn't really tested myself in a long time. Um, and then you know, like between Badwater and, and, you know, two months later doing a run across America, I was just in the zone. Like, nothing like I was never going to get injured. Nothing was ever going to go wrong. And like, sometimes like you just like, don't even think anymore. You just kind of do. <laughs> I, 
I uh, I watched last night. I watched running down a record um, about that. Uh, and there's a there's a part in there. I think it's like the day before you finish. And you mentioned that you're more excited to be done than you are for the record. And, and you say uh, breaking the record will have to sink in over time. I mean, now, like you said, it's crazy. It's almost a decade in the review. It's been seven years. How how has that sunk in, especially? And I wonder, I guess, how much reflecting you've done on it over the last few weeks, given uh, Jenny has been, you know, doing the same thing as we talked about at the beginning of the pod. Yeah. Oh, man. It. Well, and that, that was the, you know, it, it's so weird because like, like when I said that, like, you know, wanting to be done and more so than the record, it's like, it's kind of strange because it's like I get the most enjoyment out of doing like, like I want to accomplish like certain things, but like I think I got the most enjoyment out of going for the record, just like planning for it, like getting excited about like reading Marshall Orrick's book a few times and like things like that. Then actually, like once I, you know, finished, I think that was the reason why I think I felt the urge to do Alaska to Florida, um, Key Night to Key West, like two years later was it was like, if you, you put so much into going for a record and like you're counting down to that record, but you're, if you're not like enjoying anything along the way, you know, someone's going to break that record someday. So it was like, it was kind of just like this preemptive idea to go do something else where I could actually like enjoy some of it. And so, yeah, I think, gosh, I don't, I don't even know if I've ever really fully reflected on uh, San Francisco to New York just because it was pre- honestly a pretty painful pro- process physically and mentally each day. Um, but I think doing Alaska to Florida kind of gives me a little bit more, I don't know, closure on, on it because it, you know, I, I would see a lot of friends that would do like runs across the USA and they'd, you know, take their time to, you know, take photos, meet people. And, um, you know, I had an amb- ambitious itinerary for Alaska to Florida, but it was, more or less just like a cool down run, I would say from uh, running from San Francisco to New York. Um, but no, I think, you know, when, when Sandra did it, you know, the year after me and then Jenny just did it, you know, last night, um, it's uh, uh, my friend Cinder actually was crewing both of them uh, for their, and she crewed for me uh, across the USA. So I think maybe the most reflective is just being able to like talk to Cinder about it, uh, you know, here and there. Um, has been really good for me as well. Were you happy when you were doing it? Doing uh, San Francisco to New York? Yeah. Uh, a little bit. There, there were times in the middle where like, it was kind of crazy. It was kind of like a Forrest Gump moment here and there where I was running through like Lincoln, Nebraska, actually had lunch at the house that I, we, we had actually just sold um, at the time. Uh, it, like it was like sold that day. It was kind of weird. <laughs> oh wow! Um, and yeah, like I, I ran from San Francisco to my house, and then just kept running after that. <laughs> and, um, and then running through like my hometown of uh, Boone, Iowa, um, on a Sunday morning. That was really cool. And then running actually through Brunswick, Ohio, where I would live after the run and didn't even realize <laughs> at the time. So yeah, it was. I say like those moments, like meeting people, like, and then seeing old friends, um, in the middle, was really cool. But yeah, there was, I mean, there was a lot of, there were a lot of bad days to be honest. 
Back to my conversation in just a moment with Pete Kostelnik, but a word for the fine folks at Peak Performance. Stop by one of their four metro area locations in the Omaha, Nebraska area. Mention this podcast and you can get $15 off of your first pair of shoes at regular price. So often when I talk about my running journey, I go back to 2020, but a big component of what was able to happen in 2020 was actually set up in 2018. I'd had some issues with my IT band in 2017. Finally went there in 2018 and they helped me figure out exactly what kind of shoes I needed if I was going to run a marathon and do so without my body breaking down. They will put you through the five-step gait analysis process. They're going to determine the arch type, the lower leg alignment, and they're going to get you into a pair of shoes that you are going to enjoy a whole lot more and your body will as well. Omaha's only locally owned running store for 30 years. Again, mention this podcast, Chasing Three Hours, for $15 off of your first pair of shoes at regular price. Back to my conversation with Pete Kostelnik. Like, so the idea of, of like the post-marathon blues, I know I've talked about it a lot. Like when I, it was so funny when I first started this podcast back in June, it was right after I'd had uh, a run that I wasn't really pleased with a race. I wasn't pleased with in Lincoln. The weather was, was really hot. My body just wasn't prepared for it. Um, and so I've, I've, and then I've had the post-marathon blues after really good races. Oddly enough, I'm not really having those post Des Moines right now. The post-world record blues I mean, was that something that you had or was it you you definitely seem like a on to the next one type of person. So I wonder if that was even something that you dealt with back then. Yeah, no. Um, yeah, it was it was. And it, I think gosh, it was it was just a very strange time in my life because I had we had just moved to like I, w- I was j- literally moving to a new state at the time after the run. So after the run, I literally went home to Hannibal, Missouri. Um, and I started working remotely for my company at that time. I had all, you know, always just been in the office in Lincoln, Nebraska. So I think it was just a combination of things like maybe a little bit detached here and there. And, and I think that was, you know, really hard on me, maybe more so than just, and I think obviously with, you know, the post run blues and just, you know, not wanting to take any time off. And, and so I was really hard on myself. And I think I actually trained the most I ever have. Um, after that run, I think, you know, pretty quick by the new year in 2017, I was doing 200 mile weeks almost every single week. Um, and so I, I think it just kind of, it kind of became obsessive, even though I didn't really have anything like running across America on the calendar. Um, I think it was just maybe just like, I kind of became obsessive about running for a little while there afterwards. And that was maybe my way of dealing with, you know, the post run blues was just kind of like getting out and getting in the motion so you don't even have time to really think about it do you feel like in in hindsight that that was healthy no definitely not (laughs) no no i i think yeah i i overdid it a lot afterwards and i think um it's just i think it's just really hard for me to honestly i'm always wanting to do something else and i think it's very it's healthy right now because i know my limits and i don't want to like mess up anything with my recovery um but it, I think, af, I think like maybe it's like, I can't have nice things or something like, <laughs> like if I accomplish something like that, I really want it's maybe it's actually better if I don't accomplish it. Cause then like, I just like kind of get back to the drawing board and like, you know, kind of systematically think about it and get, it keeps me busy. Um, so yeah, I think if I ever do accomplish anything like that again, I like, I'm sure I'll like kind of think about it a little differently, but man, at that time I was just like, man, I gotta like, 
get back on the horse. And it, I think it was good and bad at the same time. Do you wish, do you wish that you weren't like that? Or, I mean, cause obviously the reason that you have been able to do so many things is because you are like that. And so that, I mean, that's obviously like this scale. What, what do you think? Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know. I, I, man, I, I do wish sometimes like I would like maybe think through like, okay, like, cause I'm pretty stubborn. And like, if I fail at something, I'll keep trying at it. Um, which I think is good. But then like when I do like get to like where I want to be, yeah, it's like, I, I some, there are a lot of days where I kind of wish I just like didn't care so much about maybe like, I don't really necessarily, I don't think it's like, I don't, I care too much about what other people think, but I think it's just like, I care too much about what I think of myself in <laughs> some days, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, how, how often, a funner question, I guess, how often are you asked about uh, what you ate during during that time frame? Because, I mean, that was a part of of running down a record. There's like this long, I don't know, five to ten minutes where the woman who helped actually show in the various ice creams um, talk about, like, I know you did like a steak in every, mu- uh, in every uh, state that you went to. I, I have to imagine that, like, when people ask you about that, that food is somewhere near the top of the list. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, it's, I mean, that was, that's the crazy thing. And that's honestly, beside, like, maybe that's why I feel like I am really good at recovery is like, I, I could, I could, like, I don't think I lost a pound that whole run. And like, I've seen other people like, you know, Sandra, Jenny, like my friend Phil, like when they've done these things, like they, they've, they've looked a lot leaner towards the end, but I wasn't at all. And um, yeah, I, I, I love talking about like, nutrition just for like anything because um that's that's always that's like that's so pivotal i mean it's not you don't have to be that like like i don't know like nutrition is really the foundation of ultra running sure <laughs> when, when you like if you can't eat enough like i remember there was you know a fr- you know he's a friend now but like we were running a, a race a 100 miler in kansas and i remember we were like tied or he was ahead of me and i caught up to him and then you know, I just met him that day and he was like, we were kind of talking about nutrition and he, he was telling me, I like, this is his first hundred and he hadn't really eaten much. And I was like, okay, well, I already know I'm going to beat this guy, even if he's like faster than me. <laughs> was, I was like, I was like <laughs> it's just like, well, it's like, okay, game over. Cause he's not like getting the calories down. And so, yeah, it's, it's gosh, I've, and I've, I've adjusted nutrition a lot over the years, just maybe not necessarily like, like, because um, because I think like I'm getting smarter about nutrition just because I think like sometimes you get sick of something and it's, you know, honestly, it's like, you gotta be able to crave what you're putting down. Like you get very, you, you get to be like a child <laughs> when you're out there long enough and if you're like, you're not craving something, you're not going to eat it. So I'm always like, I always love talking about and, and like learning from other people, like during races, like what they're eating and like, Oh, like I never thought about that. Like, Oh, I never thought about like just downing paydays all day. <laughs> Nice mix of calories there. <laughs> what has your relationship been like with food now uh, the last two and a half months, given that you're not running however many dozens of miles a day? Oh, gosh. It's like, I, like if I really wanted to, like, I feel like I have no appetite when I don't run. Like, Interesting. Like, I would say after the accident, like, like I could, I, I almost had to like remember sometimes to eat because it's like, I like when I'm running a, like, you know, 20, 30 mile days, I'm like, you're always hungry. You like you could eat all day <laughs> if you really really wanted to, but um now yeah, it's just like and that's why I'm like anxious to like get back out there cuz I like I want to like like 
enjoy certain foods that I'm like, oh, I probably shouldn't eat that because like I'm not running and I'm not like doing anything at all right now. So trying to get those miles miles back up here. Maybe maybe I'll get up to like two, three miles of walking here in the next <laughs> few weeks. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I have had something similar as I am, you know, in my post-recovery period from the, the marathon. And I was telling, telling my wife the other night, like, I'm not as tired as I was during the summer. And I kind of miss it because it was so easy to fall asleep at night. And now I feel like I am laying there a little bit longer. And I know I'm feeling the same way about food is my appetite really hasn't changed a whole lot. But I'm like, "Ah, I don't know if I should be eating as much as I was when I was getting in, you know, 70 mile weeks or whatever leading up to Des Moines. Yeah, yeah. Sleep has been just awful for me since the accident. Like, I think it's a combination of some things like there for a while, I could really only lay on my back. And (laughs) like, I never sleep on my back. And I was just like waking up every like 10, 15 minutes. But man, yeah, I, I definitely sleep a lot better uh, when I'm like in training mode. Yeah. You mentioned uh, earlier the Alaska to Florida uh, run that you did over 5,000 miles uh, in 2019. Uh, there was a video about it that I found this week where you said um, that this would this was before you finished. It would be the most rewarding thing that you have done. Um, that's now crazy enough, almost a half decade ago. It's four years in the rear view. Is that the most rewarding thing that you've ever done? Yeah, I, I think it is. Like, I, I think, you know, I called it my like great human. And, and it's funny because I, I texted Jenny last night and she, te- I, I was kind of shocked she, she texted me back, which I really appreciate. But um, yeah, it was funny because like we were kind of, jo- she was like joking with me, like, you know, her run just now might have been like, we were talking about how like, humans have been like crossing continents for, I don't know, what, millions of years? Uh, <laughs> a long time. <laughs> and like, she she did it the fastest, pretty, like, without a doubt of anyone. Well, obviously, because of modern technology, modern nutrition, modern shoes and everything. And, you know, having someone crewing you from a vehicle, which wasn't around, you know, a couple hundred years ago. But uh, yeah, it's just, it's just, it was like, and so like, from Alaska to Florida, it was like, I was kind of like migrating with the season. And like, I call it like, the great, like the longest human migration of a hundred days ever. And so like, even though it wasn't, it wasn't even like a fastest known time or anything really like that anyone had ever done. It was just like something that, you know, I dreamed up that I don't know if anyone will ever do again, but just like everything about it felt like it was like what I, you know, dreamed up and no one else, you know, would have ever thought of to do. Um, so that's why, like, I think it's just the whole completeness of that. And really like I went about it mentally a lot differently than running from San Francisco to New York, where I said, Oh, I'm more counting down the miles to the finish, which you kind of have to do if you're going for a record, but when you're not going for a record and you're just trying to run a ton of miles every day, (laughs) I just like, well, I'm just counting up and like, I'm literally just going to finish where, you know, the southernmost point where, you know, you can't go any further and it's going to feel like a lot more closure, you know, like personally. So, um, yeah, I think like just everything about that run just felt like it was Pete's run rather than like going, you know, for a record. Interesting. So how, how did that one come into existence in your head? Because you also, not only do you do it, Alaska to Florida, you finish in the southernmost point of the country, but you did it in a different way too, in terms of like the crewing, because you, you ran with the, what the cart or whatever it was. How, how did all of that come together for you? Yeah, yeah, it was really, it was my parents' fault because when I was, uh, <laughs> back in 1999, when I was, I think like 11 years old, we, 
Um, we drove to Alaska and like, you know, you don't hear about a lot of people driving to Alaska, but, um, there are quite a few people that do it like in an RV or on a motorcycle. Um, so that was like, I, when we were doing that drive, you know, we were leaving from Iowa, so we weren't coming from Florida, but we met, we met some people that were like doing this Alaska to Florida, like adventure, like from the, you know, furthest North state to the furthest South state. And so (laughs) like, that was really where the idea kind of was planted a long, long time ago, but it was never like, Oh, I would actually do that on foot. Um, but then I just remember running one day and I was just like, I pulled up a map and I was like, Hey, like if I wanted to like do something different, what would like, what would I do? And like, I just like looked at, I like first, first state I looked at was Alaska. I was like, well, <laughs> you could go from Alaska to somewhere else. Where would you go from Alaska? Oh, we'd go to Florida. <laughs> so, uh, it just kind of, yeah, it was, it, it was planted a long time ago, but then it was just like in an instant during a run one time. So in the, in the years then that have followed, I wonder where you have kind of found yourself, you know, as a runner, as a competitor, I, I, I found a post on Instagram that you had in June of, of last year where you wrote, sometimes your heart wants one thing, but your body and mind don't agree. And then you announced that you were stepping away from competitive ultra running. Like how much is that in concert with the runs that you did across the country versus maybe just how you were feeling last year? And then obviously in the midst of all this too, COVID happens in 2020. Yeah. Yeah. I think, gosh, man, like I, last year I just, you know, I had, it was, it was a very frustrating time. Cause it was like, I was, I just moved out to Phoenix. I had done some long training runs and like, I was planning this, it was, you know, not a month and a half leave from work, but a four month leave from work. Cause my, <laughs> cause my coworkers are just that awesome. But like, <laughs> it was also just like very stressful because I was, um, you know, I had, I, I don't know, honestly, to this day, I can't tell you if it was more physical or mental or what it was, but I just remember I did a run from, um, where I lived in Phoenix at the time to Maricopa, a town about, Oh, like, 30 miles to the South. And then I ran back and I did it with my, the same stroller that I did Alaska to Florida with. Uh, I just had a, like, cause it was, you know, in May and it was in a hundred degrees. And, um, I like, I got about two thirds of the way back with about 10 miles to go. And I just, I was drinking like a 16 ounce bottle of water every mile. And I wasn't peeing for like hours. And, (laughs) and, Long story short, I ended up like not being able to drink or eat anything the rest of the night once I got back to my place. And I was just standing. I remember standing over the sink for about four hours because if I sat down or tried to lay down, I would cramp up so bad that I couldn't get out of it. Um, And after, I don't know if it was just really bad heat exhaustion or borderline like heat stroke, but after like the that, you know, that was a couple, like a month and a half before I was going to like plan to do this, like, okay, we're going to do bad water. Then we're going to do 50 miles and 50 States and 50 days self-supported. And then we're going to go straight over to, uh, Australia and attempt to run 80 miles per day for 30 days, uh, to just demolish the cross Australia record. And then, but it like, they're just, I just realized like, you know, it came pretty clear to me that wasn't going to happen anymore. And so I thought, well, I'm not going to like, at the end of the day, like, you know, even if, you know, you're like a consider a semi-professional ultra runner, it's, we do it for fun. And so like, I was just like, man, like number one, I'm not going to be able to do it. And cause I couldn't like train for two or three weeks 
like without like stopping after a few miles. And then it's just, yeah, it's like, you just have to like kind of remember, okay, why did I even like sign up to do this in the first place? So it was just like, just to have fun. And so, um, no, I'd like, I pulled the plug on that idea, um, completely because it was just, I wanted to do all of it all together. And it wasn't like, I, I didn't want to just do part of it. And because, you know, taking time off from work can be a challenging thing to, to plan for. And so, um, yeah, that was kind of, that was kind of it. It was just kind of a combination of terror, like a terrible timing with, you know, get, you know, as, as per usual for Pete getting out ahead of myself and trying to do like a run that probably was not smart in the desert, you know, when I was just like a newbie, didn't know what I was doing, but you know, you learn. And, and so, um, then, you know, after that though, it was kind of nice. It was kind of refreshing. Cause I, you know, started to kind of like not give myself such a hard time for a while. Um, and then, you know, going into this year, I was like, you know, I had some bigger hopes this year and it was kind of like on and off with a good race here, a bad race there. And then the accident happened. And so now it's kind of like oh, back to, to ground zero. <laughs> and, and earlier I, you know, I asked, uh, as you're getting into this journey, like, Hey, what did your family think? Uh, I, I'll ask, I guess the similar question then about last year, as you're going through this, what, what, what was their reaction? Um, did they, or and friends too, obviously, was there a pulling away? Did they try to come in close? Was it like intervention type? Like what was, what was, what were those conversations like? Like recently, like last year, last year, as you're going through all that stuff in 2022. Oh yeah. No, I, I, I think they, yeah, I, everyone like, gosh, like, and that, that's why I always tell people like, I'm always surrounded by such great people. So, Good. um, no, they were, uh, everyone, like everyone in my life that's ever been in my life has always, you know, been so supportive of me. So that's like always been the easiest part for me is just knowing that like I have tons of people that are always, you know, looking out for me. They don't, and they don't care what, you know, when it comes to running, like, Oh, you don't like pulling the plug. It's not like, you know, their life goes on. So they just want to make sure I'm not too hard on myself. Going back to earlier in the year, um, and I, and I want to ask this, I guess, kind of about what's moving forward. You wrote, this was in March, you said there's a fine line between being scared and overwhelmed, 2022, and scared and excited, 2023, hopefully, when it comes to the sport. That's what makes it fun, I suppose. Obviously, this year's not turned into the year that you were hoping for, but yeah. are you are you scared and excited or scared and overwhelmed, do you think, for whatever is about to come next for you? Uh, definitely scared and excited uh, because... Like, I don't have, like, I have, like, this huge, like, mountain that I want to get back up to. But, like, I also know, like, I might not be, you know, maybe I won't even be able to ever run again. So, like, that's, like, the exciting thing to me is, like, I already have the lowest expectations possible, but the highest aspirations. So, like, there's no way that I'll be disappointed, I think, with anything uh, over the next six months you know, as I try to get back to, back to into ultras eventually, perhaps, but, um, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's strange because it's like, I do well when I'm like down, but I don't do well when I'm like on top of the mountain <laughs> kind of mentality. So, um, no, I think it's, it's good. Cause like, there's nothing overwhelming at all because I have like zero expectations, um, going forward. You said earlier, uh, that after running across running from San Francisco to New York, that, that, you know, your relationship with running was not unhealthy or was not healthy. Rather, do you, do you think that it, it will come out of this as silver lining? Could it end up being healthier for you in the long run? Yeah. 
Yep, definitely. You know, I think, um, and also I think I just like, for me, it's, you know, it's, I think I got to a point where I just wasn't like making any more tangible progress each day um, with running. And so like when you get to a point, and I think that's why, you know, running is just a, it, it can be a very cruel sport. Um, you know, like you, when you, I think a lot of people love running because you're like, when you get into it, you're like making all this progress as long as you don't get injured. But then once you like reach a plateau, you kind of just like, you think you're like, Oh, well, maybe I can just wing it. Or maybe I can just like, you know, <laughs> do this and do that. But you, you don't, you're not as excited about it. So I think like, I'm more excited about just being able to, you know, walk an extra quarter mile, you know, than I did, you know, a few days ago today. So I think, um, that's where it's going to be, you know, hopefully a lot better for me mentally and not like being so hard on myself. Speaking of loving running, what is your favorite part about running? Oh, it's, you know, it's just gravitated so much over the years. Cause like at first it was just like, I just trained by myself and I just loved Honestly, I really only got into running like I did a couple of years in high school, but I really only got into it in college just because like I just wanted to be able to drink beer on the weekend and like not like be, you know, 250, 300 pounds and no muscle. And so um, I it's so it went from that. to then it was like, oh, well, now I have all these goals. Then I want to qualify for Boston. Then I want to run across Iowa. Then I want to, you know. Now a lot of it's surrounded more social. Like, um, you know, I was, you know, I wrote an article for ultra running magazine recently just about like the, the whole experience of like crewing friends and pacing them where, you know, several years ago, I probably just honestly didn't feel like I had the time to do that, but now it's, you know, a little bit more like that. So it's just, it's just, I don't know. There's just so many different pieces of it that I love. Um, there's parts of it I don't like, uh, which I won't get into. <laughs> um, but I think it's just, there are just so many, and it just gives me excuses to go honestly places where I wouldn't normally go. Like who's going to go, you know, to, um, Vienna, uh, Illinois, other than to run tunnel hill 100 or, you know, Ottawa, Kansas to run a hundred miler there, or, you know, just, that's what I love is like these, runs that I, a lot of them that I do, they just take me to places off the beaten path that really cement, you know, a really incredible experience in my mind that, um, that, you know, I want more of, by the way, when you finish, when you finish one of these, uh, large runs, races, whatever it is, is there a particular style of beer that you gravitate towards the most? Uh, gosh, you know, like I've actually, I would, I really only drink IPAs anymore. Hazies are like a West Coast. Uh, more of a West Coast, but um, uh, you know, I'll go for any of them. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm not picky. <laughs> so uh, I finish every podcast by asking my guests about what they're chasing. It could be a literal time goal. It could be qualifying for something, or it could just be a feeling. Pete Kostelnik, what are you chasing? Um, so I am signed up for one. I signed up for one race. So I, I was signed up for a couple that you know I've already come and passed that I haven't been able to do while I've been sitting on my butt. But I, when I DNF'd Cocodona 250 last year, the first week of May, I signed up, I think before the race might have even been over or, you know, everyone had finished for the next year. And uh, I'm, you know, I'm sure that you know, I'm sure the race director would give me a deferral to the following year. I'd, but um, no, I want to I want to do Cocodona 250. That's the, really the only thing that's on my to do list. And that's in about 100. It's about six months from now. So <laughs> It's uh, 
I think just being able to finish that race, um, knowing that I DNF'd it last year and, you know, coming off, you know, an accident and like maybe I don't even know if I how much training I'll be able to get in before it. But if I'm able to do it, it would be probably the most fulfilling race I've ever done. So that's pretty much it right now. <laughs> Pete Kostelnik, thanks for joining me today on Chasing Three Hours. Oh, thanks, Josh. I had a blast. Thanks again to Pete Kostelnik for joining me on today's episode. Thanks to Peak Performance. Stop by one of their four Omaha metro area locations and mention this podcast for $15 off of your first pair of shoes at regular price. Thanks to Ian Alio for production assistance, as well as music and sound design. Thanks to Riss for the cover art. Head to Chasing3Hours.com for more from me as I write about my experiences out on the running trail, races, and a whole lot more. Email me at Chasing3Hours at gmail.com. If you liked what you heard today, be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and maybe share with a friend as well. New episodes will drop on Friday mornings. Enjoy your long run this weekend. <laughs>